Branch.io launched in 2014, now serving between 100 and 10,000 paying customers generated from over 50,000 applications that actively use them for deep linking. They're charging on average between caught 60 and $80,000 ACVs. They've got a team of 300 people, raised about 129 million bucks seven or eight months ago, raising for call at 18 months of burn coverage. They're churning for less than 5% of the revenue annually. And now Mata's focused on driving additional expansion revenue in their cohort, hoping to drive 100% year over year growth again. Again, coming 30% from expansion, 70% from new. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mata Segata. She is leading marketing as a co-founder of Branch.io, the industry-leading mobile measurement and deep linking platform trusted by the most top-ranking apps to increase efficiency and revenue. She was born and raised in Romania and came to the U.S. to study electrical and computer engineering at Cornell, earned her master's of engineering and MBA from Stanford. Mata, you ready to take us to the top? Yes. This is great. Well, first of all, I can't wait to jump into Branch. This is a tool that I, I know a lot of my audience use as some of the top SaaS CEOs in the world. They A lot of them have mobile apps and they love using Branch. So this is a treat for me. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. So for those people that are not familiar, tell us what the company does and are you pure play SaaS in terms of your business model? Yeah. So we're a mobile linking and attribution platform. And then I know that sounds like a lot, but I promise you everyone listening to this podcast has used Branch, has Branch on their phone. So imagine someone sends you a link to a house in Airbnb. You click on the link, the app magically opens to that house. That's actually not that easy to do. When someone sends you a link, if you're on Android, iOS, wherever you are, and actually figure out, do you have the app? Do you not have the app? Where should you be taken? So we are really that like link routing that takes users to the right place in the app. And because of that, because you give them better experiences, you get much higher conversions, you get higher revenue, and, and, and it really is really exciting. And on the other side, on the side of the marketer, they can actually track the entire user journey across different devices, across different browsers, and give them a cohesive experience, but also really understand that the money they might have spent on the web where they acquired someone who then went to the app store and downloaded the app is actually money well spent. So Mana, do you feel like you're selling into the CTO or the C, like CRO or CMO? We sell mostly into the CMO and then the head of product. So into the CMO when it comes to like tracking campaigns better and understanding uh-huh. your spend better and giving people like a good experience. You know, if you show them an ad for a dress, making sure that they go to the dress and they buy the dress in higher conversions. Yeah, I don't want to click on like a beautiful men's suit and end up on a, you know, daisy dress, right? Totally. Or getting just to the main website and not being able to find your suit, right? Yeah. That's not on that. Good. That was very well done. I think my audience clearly understands what the company does and they all understand that they probably use it on their own phones. Help me understand how you have scaled this company. So from a pricing perspective, are you kind of a pure play SaaS model where you have upsells based off usage? We have a very interesting model that's a little bit different than what's out there. Our linking is free for everyone. Okay. So we believe that to build the internet and, and, and make mobile better, we need to have everyone use better linking and give the users better experiences. So we have tons of people using our mobile links. We build enterprise solutions on top of the links, like the ability to show banners on your website and only show certain banners to specific people and take them to the app, or the ability to deep link people from email, or the ability to track all your paid advertising. All of those are like paid enterprise solutions on top of the free links. And then when it comes to our enterprise solutions, we price based on how many active users you have. So if you have under 10,000 monthly active users, it's actually everything is free. But above that, we have a few tiers and then 
then we have like a, an enterprise tier for really large customers. Just because I'm sure you serve all kinds of cohorts when you look at your total database. And this is going to be a tough question for you, but we'll see if you can do it. If I forced you into like an average, would you say it is around that $60 a month range because of your startup long tail? Or is it way more like, no, you know, $60,000 ACVs? 80,000? Okay. And that's ACVs, right? What I want to do now is put this on a timeline and talk about how you guys have thought about product and developed it and how US CMO have kind of taken it to market. So when did the company launch? What year? 2014. Okay. 2014. And I mean, what were you doing at the time? Were you just graduating? How'd you meet your co-founders? What'd that look like? Oh yeah. It's a funny story. We were in business school together and we decided we want to start a company. And by this was around graduation, maybe a month before graduation, but we had been working together for a year and a half and had worked on three different projects, Fitbit for Dogs, Photobook Printing App, which actually gave us Idea Branch. We were trying to grow our own app. We had a really hard time understanding how our users got into the app and we couldn't take them to the right photo book. And then we also tried a printing SDK that also didn't work. But most of the, that time, most of the year and a half, I think about like 14 months out of that was actually spent on the app. And that's how the idea of a branch came. How many of you guys are there? It's just two of you guys as co-founders? We're actually four co-founders. We were okay. initially three that started on the app and then Dimitri joined us. Our investors introduced us. So he joined us, I think, halfway through the app. That's great. And you just mentioned investors. So you've raised, I know you've raised, I think, a pretty large amount. How much have you raised to date? Over 200. My immediate question is I'm being polarizing on purpose to give you a chance to ah. respond, but why on earth do you need almost a quarter of a billion dollars to build this technology? So we were free in the early days. We only started building our enterprise solutions about two and a half, three years ago. And to really change the way people discover mobile content online, you need a lot of money to build a lot of infrastructure. I will not tell you how much our Amazon bill is. But <laughs> We are in over 50,000 apps and, you know, I think 60 or 70% of the top 200 apps have branch. And that is a lot of infrastructure. And this idea that we wanted to start with our linking being free and with enabling like anyone to build better linking for their users meant that we had to build a lot of infrastructure of the top kind of getting started. Then we started selling and building our enterprise solutions, but that was a little bit later. What year was that? What year do you really start thinking about enterprise? And I think it was end of 2016. 2016. Okay. And that's where you started moving from, I'm, I'm making this up, you had like a 50 or $40 a month kind of small business no, kind of- were completely free. It was all free. So you went directly from free, free to enterprise. The, the things that were free then are still free now. We built these new solutions. It was more of a developer tool then. So the person who was buying us- was really the product and the developer and the engineering team who had to build their own solutions on top of our links. Yep. And now we build our solutions so we can go and sell to a market or have a product and they don't need a lot of implementation that can actually come in and get these like actual solutions out of the box. Yep. Okay. So my, my, I guess the reason I'm asking is you see patterns with companies where they'll start off enterprise, then to get, you know, 200 million bucks in AR, they'll move down market, or they start off hyper freemium at very low price points and then increase ACV over time to same thing to get to call it hundred million, 200 million in ARR. It sounds like you started enterprise, I mean, right out of the gate, you went directly from free right to enterprise. Is that right? I mean, our, our ACVs had definitely increased. We went after, we learned how to go after bigger accounts. We were always enterprise, but we were maybe on the smaller side of enterprises. Can you quantify that? Like $20,000 ACVs was maybe when you started in 2016? 
more than that, probably like, yeah, something around there. Okay. Uh-huh. It's a rare story. Rarely do I see someone use freemium and then kind of use that database, yeah. right? To go directly to $30,000, $40,000 ACV. So, so again, this is, this is valuable information. It was very interesting and very different. And also the fact that everything that was free is still free and people can use it. And it's part, I mean, it does, we provide premium support for that part. Now part of our enterprise packages but it's not like we actually charge for the links yet. Yeah, yeah. So what have you scaled to? 2014 to 2016, 2016 today, how many customers are you now working with? We don't really disclose that. Uh, we disclose the, uh, the, all the numbers of people using Branch and that's over 50,000. I mean, generally speaking, I won't push harder here, but it, you said 50,000 apps using you, 60 to 70% of the top ones. Is it generally a one-to-one ratio of brands or do some brands have you know, a thousand apps on your platform? No, there are brands that have two, three, four. Uh, no, we don't, we don't really count. These are also actually only active apps. So we see the brands that have thousands. We've had those in the past. So generally speaking, you're looking at one, maybe one some cases. One, to one two. point one. Something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, we can kind of then back into customer account, which is about 50,000. It's basically one-to-one ratio. They're not all paid. So oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. Let's talk more about pricing axes. So a lot of startups, when they're growing to again, hundred, 200 million bucks in ARR, they're not sure how to set up pricing axes, right? To drive, you know, let their salespeople really, you know, drive ACV expansion. You have four kind of very distinct products on the pricing page, the journeys, banners, universal email, universal ads, and data feeds. Which one came first? And talk to me about how you added each one in terms of how it allowed you to expand wallet share across the base. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting the way we added this product is we started watching what people were building with our branch links and then decided to build it for them. So instead of them having to build in house. So banners, our journeys banners were the first one. We started noticing people uh, building banners and then deep linking someone from a website into the app. So you might be on a website for like a specific pair of shoes and it says get the app and then you get 20% off if you download the app and then you are taken to the same shoes in the app with a 20% off. So this ability to pass parameters to installs and know it's the same person. And we saw people building this and we're like, wait, we could build it for them. It actually takes a lot of energy to build this and we can do it better. We can, we can build the journeys, but we can also build really great targeting. So we can only... You can only, you can show certain banners to certain people. That was the first one and that's how it started. The same one was with email. There's this issue where an email provider adds tracking to their links. So when you click on the link, it actually breaks the deep link. Or if you keep the deep link, it breaks their tracking. So we actually went and integrated with all these email service providers, like Salesforce and many others, basically gave someone a solution that worked and deep linking from email out of the box. So they didn't have to actually work and do any work around for it. Mm-hmm. So all of our solutions really kind of came from problems that we saw with our customers or ways that we saw them that were building things on top of the, our links already. So Mata, with these upsells, what has that allowed you and your sales team to drive in terms of expansion revenue on the core that signs up a year ago? I mean, are we saying like 20% year over year, 50% or somewhere in between? Honestly, I don't know that off the top of my head. That's okay. That's okay. Do you know what churn numbers are in terms of percentage, like 5% annual churn or 50% or whatever it is? Less than 5%. Less than 5%. Okay. And that's gross churn. Yes. We do have very, very little churn. Most of our churn is actually, I think more than half of our churn is 
people going out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So less than 5% kind of annual gross revenue churn. You then have to add back expansion on top of that. So you get your net revenue retention, I assume, is somewhere way north of 100%, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that a priority? Like as you think in your CMO role, right now, where's most of your time being spent? Top of funnel stuff, middle funnel, expansion? Top of funnel, middle funnel, definitely because we're so new and we haven't done as much on expansion and that's one of my big projects to think about doing more customer marketing right now the way our marketing team is measured is all new accounts mm-hmm. so it's business from new accounts not as much upsells and cross-sells which is probably i don't know those numbers yeah that's okay um, that's okay now that we actually have a bigger user base and we yeah. are selling for two years that's like one of my big initiatives yeah, maybe I should have asked a question that was more appropriate. I mean, let me ask you a different question because I think maybe you spent more time here over the past two, three years. What do you feel like is a world-class conversion rate from a free person using a tool like yours to actually converting to a paid plan? So we don't actually think about it that way. Okay. And I know it's, it's very interesting. So the people that, have start, that use us for free, and if you think, are usually the developers. And it's very hard to convert a developer into a paid product because they think they can build it themselves. So when we convert an account, it's usually because we get an intro to a different team and we convince, we talk about, um, you know, how they can use branch. So it almost feels like a new sale. Same when we go and we go into new accounts, we don't go and say, hey, try branch for free. We go and we explain and they start with branch paid from the very beginning. So converting from free to paid hasn't really been a huge area of focus for us. Whether someone is free or they're not using branch at all, the sale is not that different, actually. Okay. People are going and selling almost like a different product into a different team. So that hasn't been like a big like area that we measure or focus on. Okay, that's fine. I guess what I'm trying to focus on is like how much touch you're putting on some of these sales, especially if it's the developer introducing them to then the marketing team and then that's where the sale actually happens, right? So, I mean, are you able, are, are we talking like, you know, less than a hundred paid customers, but high, high, high touch or no, you're happy and comfortable and able to- have more than that, yeah. Okay, I was gonna say, I mean, can you push it up to like 10,000 or is that getting to the point where that's not how your systems are built to handle that volume? They will be eventually. We're not, we don't have, <laughs> We're not at 10,000 paying customers, but we're also not at 100 either. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Um, By the way, I think that's a fair enough gap, right? We'll say between 100 and 10,000, I think is fair. Um, in terms of growth over the next, call it a year, two years, do you think most of it's going to come from expansion revenue and you building that muscle out or new customer additions altogether? I think it's probably going to be 50-50 or probably more like 30-70. 30, 70, 30 okay. Coming from expansion, 70 from new customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what has growth rate been over the past 12 months? Are you guys still able to grow like 100% year over year or are you too big to hit those? We're more than that. You're more than 100% year over year growth. But it's also year three. (laughs) What do you mean? It hasn't been that long, right? I don't understand. So over the past, I guess what I was saying is over the past 12 months, you've grown by more than 100%? Yes. That's what I'm saying is, I mean, once numbers get bigger and bigger, it becomes harder and harder to double year over year. So, I mean, I guess- That's why I was saying it hasn't been that long. It's only been three Ah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying you're saying Nathan, going from a dollar to three dollars is three hundred percent year over year growth. Yeah, obviously we didn't start. We started because we already had a team, and we actually started pretty high. So numbers like revenue would be really great, and we we have been growing. But I, I see what you're saying, right? When you get to a hundred million, it's really hard to double. Very difficult. When do you think that is for you? You think guys can hit that in the next like two, three years, or this year, or what feels like a stretch goal to you? We don't talk that much about revenue. That's not, we decided to not actually talk about that. Well, ignore what you're actually doing. I'm just talking about, you said, you know, once we get to a hundred, that would be very hard to keep doubling year over year. Do you generally, I mean, does it feel like a stretch goal this year to hit that? Or is that more like a five-year plan? It's not a five-year plan. (laughs) I'm really not comfortable talking about that. 
That's okay. Talk to me a little bit more about the team today. So how many folks? 300. Okay. And what's the breakdown? Like how many are on your team versus in pure engineering? So one marketing, it's about I think 18 people. Engineering is probably more than half the company. We're mm-hmm. a pretty engineering heavy company and we actually are working on some really cool, interesting new projects. So we have like a whole R&D team that's all engineers. And even in our all our international offices, we have a ton of like support and integration engineers and sales engineers just because our product is pretty technical. You know, you raised the last big round, I think it was 120-ish million back in September of 2018. Typically, once you're on this kind of path and you raise this capital, you're either going to go do another big round every 16 months or so, or you're starting to think about IPO. Which kind of path do you think fits better for Branch? We're still thinking, we're still considering. We obviously, we don't need to raise any money right now. So we're still considering our options. When you raise at the scale you're at, you know, I've probably had maybe 20 CEOs on that have raised similar amounts to what you've raised. And I always like to ask when they go out and raise at that scale, Series D, Series E, Series F, how much burn are they typically raising for? And it typically ranges between like 12 and 16 months. When you guys did your last round, is that kind of in line with what you, how you raised and how you thought about it? Yeah, I mean, I think every, every fundraiser we've done, we've always thought between usually the 18 months is usually the runway to go for. That's usually what we've done. Yeah, so if you raise 120 nine million bucks, right? And you're raising for 18 months of burn. I mean, that would be like, you're burning like 7 million bucks a month right now, something like that. No comment. (laughs) By the way, I'm not putting words in your mouth. I'm just taking what you just said. You said you raised at 18. Okay. Just want to make sure. Okay. Very good. Let's wrap up here, Mata, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? So recently I've been reading Dare to Lead by Brené Brown and I really love it. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? No, but there are CMOs I follow and study. Name one. One of the people that has helped me and I think I really admire is Megan uh, Eisenberg, who is from MongoDB and now she's at TripActions. Yep. Number three here. What's your favorite online tool for building your company? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I really like, so one of the things that we did at Branch that worked really well was uh, this community, this mobile growth community. And we have, we do hundreds of these events all over the world and we use a tool called Bevy. Uh, B-E-V-Y. Yeah. And it helps us manage uh, and build the community. Number four, Mata, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Probably on average eight. Oh, that's pretty good. Probably important for me. I didn't used to a year ago, but I read this book about called Why We Sleep, and it really, I really started prioritizing sleep, and I'm a much better person because of Good, that. good, good, good. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? I'm single. Yeah, I was going to say, it's hard to do this kind of thing and also have married with you know, seven kids running around, right? I think when you start a company, it's hard to actually work on dating. I think if you start and you're already married, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. Female founders, friends that were already married, all good. The ones that weren't, it's, it's hard to meet someone <laughs> while you're like building a company. Yep. Good, good. All right. Let's wrap up here. Uh, last two questions. Uh, do you mind me asking how old you are? No. You do mind me asking? Okay, good. <laughs> you oh, do mind me asking? Ask the, the reason I asked that is because then I want you to take us back to your 20 year old self. What's something you wish that she knew? Just say I'm in my mid-30s. You yeah. can ask me now. Yeah, no, that's fine. But I guess the, the point of the age question is take me back to your 20s. So take us back 10 years yeah. or so. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I think I wish she knew that she is enough and she shouldn't be so stressed. And, you know, I grew up very poor in Romania and I think I had a lot of chips on my shoulder and a lot of insecurities coming to the States, being an immigrant. And... I wish she knew that she actually can do whatever she puts her mind to and she does not need to be stressed 
or worried or feel so insecure. Guys, Branch.io launched in 2014, now serving between 100 and 10,000 paying customers, generated from over 50,000 applications that actively use them for deep linking. They're charging on average between caught 60 and $80,000 ACVs. They've got a team of 300 people, raised about 129 million bucks seven or eight months ago, raising for call at 18 months of burn coverage. They're turning for less than 5% of the revenue annually. And now Mata's focused on driving additional expansion revenue in their cohort, hoping to drive 100% year over year growth again, coming 30% from expansion, 70% from new. Mata, thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you.